explain to me what does her internship have to do with you staying up late? It means that I have to wake up early, and I'm the one that makes breakfast and do all of that jazz. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm up when she's You're the housewife. (laughs) Right? And yet, I'm also the one that pays the bills. Yeah, um... Yeah. Like (laughs) you're the one who puts money in the in the uh, like in the envelope and sends it off, or she brings home the bacon and and then I cook the bacon. Oh, like you're the income earner. Yeah, she is a student. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you're just like a loser husband then. (laughs) 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 He like makes the money and. You're like my dad. Like he makes the money and does the housework and <laughs> I, hope your, I hope your dad never listens to this show because I might use it. <laughs> oh no, I fully expect you to use that whole thing as a cold open at some point. Let's get into this. Let's do this shit. Oh my goodness. Welcome back to May We Geek Again, a hundred podcast. This is episode six, Remix. Hey everybody, this is Jennifer and I'm joined by my my co-hosts, Joe and Shaheen. Hey guys, how you doing? Hi. Hello. Hey, welcome to the Remix edition of episode six. What's up, Let's guys? Let's just call it a do-over. Like, it's not a Remix. Like, yeah, we, we threw everything that we did before into a fucking fire. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dumpster fire. So we're like why? those one of those writers on movies who like we 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 keep writing and then like squish the paper and just throw it away. <laughs> well, except this this <laughs> start we over. didn't we didn't intentionally throw it away, although it's kind of a blessing in disguise. So for our listeners, we had massive technical issues when we recorded this episode originally two days ago. Uh, Shaheen's voice track didn't record for the first hour, and then Joe's voice track dropped out halfway through the second hour. And to be completely honest, we weren't having the best podcast to begin with. So it was... There's a lot the, of crying. It was super uncomfortable. It, it was a lot of crying, um, a lot of gay privilege being thrown around by Joe. It was it was a little embarrassing after a while. I like to think of it as like gay swagger, but you know, whatevs. Okay, sure. Uh, it's gay <laughs> swagger. Um, so let's. Let you guys me... have a completely different take on what was wrong with uh, the other day's podcast. Oh, well, do illuminate us. Yeah, like, how do you not consider technical difficulties where half of the show was not recorded? (laughs) As, like, like, 75% of the show wasn't recorded. Like, I got the little bit at the end where we were talking about very odd stuff, um, which is great for the cold open, but um, not so great for for the actual podcast. Yeah, what what worked for you, Shaheen? Or what didn't work? Oh, I don't know. Can we just do this one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's get into it then. So, uh, for our listeners, you can find us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at May We Geek Again. Uh, you can find me, Jen, on social media at CoolHandLukeKet and DeclareShenanigans.com. I'd really appreciate if you folks would come to my Twitter handle and just call me a creepy middle aged woman obsessed with a teen show. Because <laughs> um, that's always welcome abuse, it's fun. 
Uh, I also wanted to make mention that a opening in about two weeks on August 15th, there's a charity called Cancer Gets Lost uh, run by Joe Garfine. Um, we're not affiliated with her, but I did want to give that charity a shout out because I think some of our listeners might enjoy some of the the um, items that she's going to have up for auction, a ton of stuff from the 100 signed items. Um, and a lot of, a lot of items from other genre shows. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, she's on, uh, cancer gets lost is on Twitter. So you can go to Twitter, find, uh, that, and then get a link to that auction when it opens. Um, I also wanted to mention that we gave a DVD, uh, of season three away this week. Um, and the winner of that was Rachel and that should be arriving at her place today. So congratulations, Rachel, and thanks to everybody who entered that, uh, that little contest we had. Hopefully when season four rolls around, um, there's a, there, there will be more giveaways that we can do. Really hoping to see some fun, Funko Pop uh, figurines of the 100. They did say they were going to produce them, but I just don't know the timeline on that. A week ago, a week and a half ago, the San Diego Comic-Con 100 panel happened, and some cool stuff we found out there. Uh, I'm just going to do a little rundown of, of what we learned in case you're not in the know. Uh, Indra and Luna are returning, so yay. Uh, Rowan is now a season four regular. Super yay. Can deal with a few more of his, his abs. Um, they mentioned that Clark is not going to be the commander, but there is going to be uh, Nightblood scouts out looking for a new Nightblood. Uh, Lexa is not returning to season four. And there was an alternate ending to season three. It's as a lot of people suspected. And as we, we discussed in our very first podcast, Jasper did kill himself in the alternate ending, but it was deemed too dark for this show. Octavia is going to take a dark turn in season four. Um, as far as the timing of the show goes, things are going to pick up immediately after the events of season three. So right back in the throne room. Marie, Eliza, and Lindsay really had very complimentary things to say about the strength of their, their female characters. Um, the groups are going to split up with the oncoming apocalypse. It also seems like there's going to be a contingent of people that are going to be uh, trying to furiously survive this oncoming apocalypse and another, another group of people who just kind of want to party on down. Uh, and I could get with that. They were also a little bit cagey about Clark's romantic future. They're committed to her being a bisexual, but they they seem to indicate that it's going to take some time to move on from Lexa. Um, and of course, uh, shippers everywhere overanalyzed every statement, every gesture, everything that happened. Sky is falling. So it was business as usual in Shipperland. Uh, my takeaway was that the whole panel was really very positive, and um, the season four hype is officially underway. Uh, the show started filming yesterday uh, up in Vancouver, that we've got some behind the scenes shots of the production. So Everything is going as planned, and we only have six more long months to wait to season four. Um, I, I also wanted to shout out um, to a couple folks on Reddit who are always really fun to talk with about um, what we discuss on these episodes. So folks like Capital Chick, Danny Fluff, Lena, Ocean, Bubs, uh, and uh, Dam Bones. We enjoy talking to you guys. Sorry if I missed anybody. There's, uh, you know, there's plenty of people on Reddit that have great conversations, so so join Reddit crew if you're not um, familiar with uh, the subreddit. Come and talk about the show with everybody. So we are talking 
this episode um, about season two, episodes five through eight. And those are Human Trials, written by Charlie Craig, Fog of War, written by Kara Schneider, Long Into an Abyss by James Thorpe, and of course, Spacewalker by Bruce Miller. So guys, these were some really fun, well, I don't know, fun is the right word, but these were some great episodes. A lot of shit went down. Finn went crazy. Finn got killed. We met Lexa. There were power struggles. There were reunions between folks. So there was some really great stuff happening in these episodes. What did you guys think of this as a bunch? As a bunch, it was, I I thought it was pretty great. Um, You know, we got, like you said, like, you know, we had a major character death. uh, And we also met a new sort of somewhat major character. Um, Jaha, you know, came back and tried to start some shit as Jaha does. Um, I just, I I think it was just a great, great chunk of episodes. I agree. I have a sort of ambivalent attachment to these this group of episodes. Ambivalent <laughs> <laughs> uh, attachment? What does that even mean, Shaheen? I can't tell if um, I like them a lot or if uh, they're really cheesy. <laughs> um, so, or not every single scene, but there are always scenes in these episodes where I'm like, I don't know if this is really good or or really cheesy. Okay, follow up with an example. Um, well, maybe we'll talk about that when we get to the scenes. No, I want an example right now, goddammit. Uh, Don't leave oh, me hanging. Don't okay. leave folks hanging, Shaheen. <laughs> well, follow, um, follow through. All right, so for example, um, the scene with Keenan, where she's outside and then she starts growing blisters. Or the one with Cage and Dante being outside. Uh, it's kind of cliche in some ways. And I don't know, kind of the way it's shot or whatever. This might be a little cheesy, but it's also kind of well done. Like there are elements of it that I really like. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I like it or not. Now we're just backpedaling. You're like, well, at first I hated it, but now, now that I think about it, it's well, he said amb- ambivalent. So okay, so well, that's what I said from the beginning. Like, I can't tell if I really like him or I really hate him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sometimes things are cliche, and sometimes the cinematography doesn't lend as much weight to a scene as perhaps it should have. But sometimes the cinematography cinematography is really well done. This is a show where I don't really notice the cinematography that much because to me it feels shot like a very standard TV show. I'm sure um, like Danny would probably ha- take issue with that and point out several instances where the cinematography is really well done and it is unique in a certain way. I, I-, I don't think I have an eye for that to be honest with you. So that's why I'm like, oh, it kind of looks like every other show on well, TV. Well, that's just one aspect of it, though. Yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. The whole idea of, of, you know, like, I don't know, like the Cage and Dante's relationship is in some ways really cool and interesting and Dante's character um, and the struggle that he has. But the scene where like, Cage is trying to, like, tempt him or whatever, that's just kind of, I don't know. And the dialogue, again, like I said, there are some some good things about it, but then mm-hmm. I don't know. There are also, yeah, I yeah, I, I, I agree know. with you. There there are some scenes that are a bit, uh kind of kind of like you would expect something like that to happen. Yeah, 
So let's start talking about some some key themes that were touched on in these episodes. Joe, you're one of the things that you wanted to talk about was the the high stakes um, TV and the consequences that the show follows through on. So, so talk to us a little bit about that. So like in it, people would like talked about how, and I think we even talked about it, like how in season yeah. one, like you kind of didn't really expect them to actually kill all the grounders. And then they did kill all the grounders or like when Charlotte killed herself or when she killed Wells, like those were definitely sort of shocking and unexpected, uh, things to happen on on a show especially very early on especially with charlotte and wells um that said we didn't really know them you know so like we hadn't really built up an attachment to them or anything like that so for them to to die sort of early on it sort of set the stage for what the show was going to be and that like people were going to die and they were going to kill kids but like you know it wasn't I, i didn't really feel anything like we hadn't spent enough time with them but once they get to the point where, and, and to some degree Anya as well, like we'd, we'd seen Anya like quite a bit and like it was sad when she died or whatever. Um, but it wasn't, I think, until they, until Clark killed Finn with her, you know, with a knife in his gut, um, that I think like that was really one of the first sort of stages of very like high stakes TV and that they were going to follow through with sort of the situation that the, that the writers had created. Um, there wasn't an 11th hour save and in some ways that, sets up where how the rest of season two is going to go where you know shit goes horribly wrong with the mountain and we're like come on there's going to be a way out of this and then and there's just not and i i i like that i think i think not enough shows do that um yeah i think uh, let, well, so let me ask you this let me ask you guys this then do these high stakes set get do, do these high stakes create a catch-22 for the show Especially in season three, where where death of major figures and violence against several of of the characters just happened all the time. So, do when you when you raise the stakes this high, it feels like they had to keep following through and doubling down and doubling down um, to keep. I disagree. Oh, I think okay. that the writers felt like they needed to do that, and so they did that. But I didn't, I, I wouldn't agree and say that it was necessary to like, in order to like keep us engaged with the show. Um, okay. What makes the show interesting is sort of the moral gray areas that happen and sort of um, the way that we can relate to one, one character's side. And then in the next week, we'll relate, you know, we'll be against that character because of a choice yeah. that they made or something like that. I think that the writers in season three, mm-hmm. uh, it sort of fell into the into the trap of thinking that they needed to be bigger and better each time when yeah. that's not why we watched the show. Yeah. And there was a, you know, there was a plenty, there's plenty of criticism leveled against the show and other shows that keep using death as, as a, a dramatic raising of stakes um, that to the point where it becomes meaningless, that it, that it no longer is as impactful anymore. I I don't believe that. I don't become comfortable in watching people die and watching characters I really like die. Um, I, I do understand, though, that criticism that was leveled. I think some shows use death to artificially raise stakes and to get people engaged. Um, and I think they do it because they don't have any other narrative maneuvering to to do it. 
some shows just aren't as well written as as the hundred. You know, I, you know, people might take uh, might take um, uh, umbrage to that. That you know, I'm I'm overestimating the writing chops of the folks on the hundred, and other shows uh, are good. Um, but you know, that that's just you know, I, I think that's just an interesting question to ask. I mean, do, you know, did they fall into a trap of their own making? And I, I think to a certain extent that they did. And I hope in season four that they kind of they they back away from that because they don't the stakes are 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 high like you said Joe they don't have to they don't have to keep doubling down and ramping it up because we get it right we get it i get it so shaheen did you uh in, in your themes did you have what did you want to bring up and discuss i wrote down a few things um that i thought were interesting i like i like how there's back and forth in every scene like where uh, Dante's talking to Cage or to Dr. Singh or, you know, different combinations of them or Clark is talking to Abby or, you know, when there are two people who are in position of decision-making or leadership, there's always back and forth in the dialogue and they always um, wonder what's the right thing to do and there's disagreement. So I like that. Although, you know, you might think that there's some of those people are more obviously uh, or harder to support morally than the others, but there's still at least there's, yeah, there's layering and some parts get extreme, uh, but there's, you know, uh, different layers of uh, morality and different um, opinions about what's right to do. And I like the, uh, the whole theme of mercy and whether it's mercy, whether it's weakness, you know, all of that in Long Into the Abyss, Long Into an Abyss and Spacewalker. There was so, a lot of, a lot of it seemed to uh, revolve around how Finn dies and not whether he dies. And that was, that was good to, you know, show that people care about that too. It's not just the number of people who die, but also how they die. When you say Long Into the Abyss, was, were you talking about Finn still, or are you talking about anything to do with Lincoln long into a, an abyss that episode, right? Yeah. Um, like what, what is the mercy part about, of that? I was talking about Finn and oh, okay. what to do with Finn and how he's going to be executed. What did, what did you have in mind with respect to Lincoln? Well, uh, I guess I was thinking about when, uh, Nico was going to poison Lincoln in order to put him out of his misery and that, and that's when Clark recognized that oh, uh, you 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 gonna play the old phrase as uh, that means this person's about to die. So yeah. instead of watching Lincoln struggle with as a reaper and you know withdrawing from the drugs and eventually just just dying from a I, I guess a, a heart attack or something like that. Um, you yeah, know, it, looked, like a, it looked like it was some sort of a cardiac arrest or you know yeah something miserable. Yeah, so Nico showed mercy in that moment. Yeah, there were um, cases of mercy killing, right? Um, yeah. But I was talking mostly about how about um, how they were talking about like so now we we have this person who inflicted eighteen deaths, and to the grounders, the just thing to do is to um, make him feel the pain of eighteen death. To the sky crew, that's just torture uh that's too yeah that's torture and that's uh too violent or too vulgar or too bloody 
It's not as it's not Too as neat and tidy as shoving someone out of an airlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's too gory and too you know um, the 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 torture element of it is something that they feel like is unnecessary. No matter what this person has done, you know they don't deserve to experience this, right? That's kind of how closer to how we think about it. Where you know nowadays. People are, um, many people are against the capital punishment at all, right? So no matter how many people you kill, you don't, you, the idea is that we, we're better than that, that to, to, uh, to, then I'll go ahead and kill you. Like your crime is that you killed someone and then we go ahead and kill you. Anyway, uh, you know, and where, where that line is, it's just interesting. But don't, don't you think, like, given the way that they've presented Grounders, that, like, A, it would have been weird if they hadn't sought Finn's death. And, like, in some ways, I remember watching it the very first time thinking that I was almost surprised by their restraint of, you know, and even when Clark offers her own life instead of Finn's, um, you know, Lexa doesn't accept it. It's, it's his responsibility. Like, the fact that they weren't going to take out or, you know, try to go to war with all of Sky Crew as long as they could just take this one life. Like, it seems, I don't know, I found it full of almost restraint um, and and not politeness, but uh, <laughs> common, common, common sense in a way of like, yes, they demand one life. And yes, you can argue that that in itself is barbaric, but, you know, they they only wanted the guilty party they weren't going to blame an entire group of people for what one person did, yeah, which and, they could and, have. And I think probably if we had a different commander that they, they would have. Um, I think it's, it's Alexa that, that is the person that probably shows the restraint that results in, in what happens and that Sky Crew is spared of more casualties is probably due to, you know, her, her being a visionary as, as Kane calls her later on when he returns to Arcadia or Camp Jaha back in the day before that guy right. went off the reservation and they were like, fuck this. Let's have a renaming ceremony. Cause that guy was crazy. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, we're supposed to think that most grounders were never happy with this arrangement and they, they didn't feel like it was fair. It was tenuous, Shaheen. You're right. It was very tenuous. And like even, I mean, it was even said explicitly that Indra, when like in the next episode, the, the one that we're going to watch for the next podcast, Lexa says, some people on my side thought that this wasn't enough. Uh, and and I think it's implied that it was Indra. Or yeah, I, I guess Indra that. comes out say, and says that she, she doesn't think it was enough. So... Yeah, and I think most, like, uh, I don't know, the average grounder or whatever, you know, the, the grounder in the village were probably not happy about this. Um, but uh, at the same time, I'm, I mean, I think that that's exactly why you say this, right? Because it's all a matter of where you draw the line of the baseline of what you expect of them, right? How much do you expect of them? And then uh, if they exceed those expectations and you feel like, oh, this is actually, you know, feels like restraint. Because if you expect of these people that they just come and wipe you out, then this is their 
making a compromise, right? But if you expect of them to not even demand capital punishment, if you expect that level of mercy from them, then then they're you know you're conceding something to them. That and that's how it feels to the two sides, as if they're meeting each other in the middle somewhere, right? Yeah, but anyway, at the same time, neither side had any discussion. choice. Like, like neither side had any choice. Lexa couldn't relent, um, and Skycrew didn't want to give up Finn. It was only Finn's action that that brought a conclusion to that whole tension. Otherwise, shit would have gone sideways rather quickly um, if Skycrew right. and and more so Clark and Bellamy and Raven and Murphy had their way and didn't give him up. So it's it's actually Finn that essentially saves the day and, and, and you know, faces his, his punishment. What right. Sky Crew can't handle is the actual punishment itself because Lincoln went into it. He, he described what would happen to Finn. And the whole, really the, the biggest act of mercy um, was Clark killing him uh, at the end of, of Spacewalker. Um, so good on Clark, <laughs> even though <laughs> that uh, wasn't exactly the easiest thing for her to do. And it, it set up, you know, another another bit of conflict between Raven and Clark uh, in the next episode. I mean, but, you know, this isn't the first person Clark has killed. So, you yeah. know, at least, at least no, she's maybe. got that going for it. You know, yeah. she's like, well, yeah. between she's this rib old- and that rib, it's all it's all like butter. Yeah, it's <laughs> she's an old hand. She's an old hand at this stuff. Oh, yeah, I got to <laughs> go kill another person. Whoop de doo. Put the kettle on. Got to clock in, kill another person, <laughs> then clock out. Let's talk a little bit about world-building moments. I think one of my favorite things is something that the series is kind of, it's kind of the backbone a little bit of the of the series and that's that's the the relationship between Abby and Clark. And it represents kind of the tenuous nature of of love and connection in the show. <clears throat> Their small moments together just kind of like reinforce the need for for human connection, the strength of love that holds groups together, whether they be blood bonds or found families like the delinquents. So in addition to Abby and Clark, there's a lot of instances of people reuniting in these episodes. And these are like kind of the uplifting moments I find in the episode, like when uh, obviously when when Clark and Abby reunites, because Clark thinks Abby's dead and and the Sky Crew thinks that Clark is a grounder because she's all covered in mud and crusty and shit. So that reconnection was great. The reconnection between Clark and Raven was great. Um, the reconnection between Clark and Bellamy and Octavia. I mean, these are moments like we don't get them a lot. And I really appreciate when they happen. So um, kind of the world building that that I'm talking about is how these relationships just keep stabilizing the folks that are in them um, and keep growing throughout the show? Well, so, so I think that, that one thing is really like to, to that point is if you put yourself in the place of these characters, every time you part ways with someone, that person is dead (laughs) until you see them again. If you see them again, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't trust that. Like, like, like if you, today in modern times, if someone gets on a plane and like goes somewhere or somebody just goes to the store, let's just say that somebody leaves the house to go run errands. Uh You're pretty sure that they're going to come back. And granted, we do have modern technology that like lets you like check in on them and stuff. But A, they don't have this modern technology of of your cell phone and your texts and stuff. And B, like it's a fucking harsh world out there. Like 
Finn thought that the Grounders had Clark when it turns out an entire other group of people had Clark and could have killed her. You know, yeah. like it's it's this weird thing of people going from like living to dead and back to living again in in what your relationship is to them, which I think in some ways makes it that much more powerful. And I, I, I think that that was really, really well conveyed in um, the hug between Bellamy and Clark. Again, not getting into any shipping stuff. I'm talking about just like the the bond between those two characters at that moment of you know this person that they'd come to rely on in in a leadership role and like who served a very um important and and powerful bond and and function within within each other's lives like for all either of them knew like the other one was dead clark was sure that she had killed bellamy and like Bellamy yeah. was pretty short, like Clark was gone. Like he was, you know, we've seen how Bellamy does later on without Clark. You know, it's, it, it was a really, really strong, I think, moment. And I think that, that they played it very well. Yeah. Especially considering, you know, their relationship didn't start off that great and they had many uh, philosophical conflicts, but in the end, you know, they do become the two, the, the two people that rely on each other the most in the show um, and yeah, that was a really, really great moment. And, and I just, the show can go so dark so many times and these relationships become strained throughout the, the whole arc of the series. Um, and that's what, you know, and I think a lot of fans really like the delinquents. They like the chemistry and the camaraderie between them. And when these relationships fracture, like um, Bellamy and Clark's did at the beginning of season three, and then, of course, we've got Octavia and Bellamy in season three, um, who knows if those two are ever going to come um, back together again. It, it, it hurts, you know, um, because we've seen how strong these relationships are and how they need to be strong for each other to survive, not just, not just living in the world, but finding love and hope and friendship and all that stuff. You know, the whole thing, you know, life needs to be more about just survival. And that's true. And these relationships bear that out uh, beautifully, I think. Um, I think another bit of world building that we need to get into, because it's obviously super important to the rest of season two and, and season three, is the introduction of Lexa. So, Joe, you had a little bit about that. Um, yeah, yeah. I would say, um, like, uh, of course, like on the one hand, like you're like this girl in this, uh, you know, prison cell or whatever, like you want to think that like, oh, maybe she's the commander or whatever. And then like, of course, when it's revealed that she is like, you know, duh, of course that why wouldn't this world also have um, sort of the mm -hmm. corresponding piece to Clark in that like both of these groups are led by, you know, two young women. Yeah. Um, and that that's not a weird thing in the society. Granted, we still at this point don't know exactly how Lexa was chosen. Um, but given sort of the, the brutality and no bullshitness of the grounders, um, yeah. you know, it's not that, you know, she is, I don't know, the purest virgin on the mountain. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something flowery and poetic, uh, in terms of how she was chosen. Like, you know, that somewhere, at least in, for me, like, you knew that, like, there was bloodshed involved, however yeah. it might have happened. Yeah, it was so probably... So she's also badass. Yeah, so it was probably uh, uh, a horrible, you know, way to choose, horrible, bloody um, way to choose a uh, commander, which, which is, like, 
heads and shoulders above the, the, yeah, but it's heads and heads, heads and shoulders above the, the U S electoral system at this point in time. (laughs) Um, we also, the other thing though, that we don't know is if it's an inherited position uh, either. I thought it was, I wasn't really struck by her, um, by her age or gender very much. I guess the show kind of just like has with that. Well, I think the show has um, has changed my perception of how genders and age are treated, which I think is a really good thing. Because I prior to this show, I wasn't really too cognizant of uh, how females are portrayed in media, how men are portrayed in media, how people of color, how how um, LGBT people are portrayed in media, and now I'm like, I feel like a very, I wouldn't say enlightened person, but I think I have a lot more data to consider when looking at entertainment. And it, it the show makes me angry because I look around the world now and I'm like, so why can't we have female Ghostbusters? Why are all the man babies crying? And why is CBS calling shit too female when they have like six male-led shows on their new slate? Like the show has elevated my vision of these things. So I, and that's because it it just does it without trumpeting itself or, you know, you can debate that as far as, yeah, as far as how they promoted themselves on social media. I I hope that kind of addresses, uh, we had a a question on uh, Twitter from Annabelle from, from, I believe Paris, um, about, about her age. Um, so I didn't, I didn't take notice of it. You felt it was kind of natural. Shaheen, did you have any, what was your reaction to seeing this, this girl suddenly go from this weight, this scared little waif, uh, trapped with Jaha and, and Kane and transformed into this commander? Um, actually the same feeling that I was talking about before. Um, I don't know if I really like it or if it's really cliche because <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, it's what is the idea is, is an old idea, right? Uh, of course the big guy, the boss doesn't, you know, show himself or herself at first. And you think it's the butler and then turns out, oh, the butler was <laughs> so the boss the, the whole time, in a subway. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, oh my it, God, was, it was totally Lexa with the candlestick. We knew it. Yeah, <laughs> of course, with the candle. You t- turns out the sidekick was the main guy the whole time or whatever. So yeah. it's that idea. And then, you know, yeah, is, her being is. badass is like she's being badass too, obviously. I don't know. But I, it's it's still cool. I don't but, know. But I mean, the, the badassery, though, is, is mainly, phys- well, when we first meet her, it's physicality, and that's how the grounders kind of communicate their um, yeah. their strength. And then the second of badassery is when she's in her she's on her throne and she meets Clark for the first time, and she's got the war paint on. She's twirling yeah. her um her her dagger and just trying to be as imposing as possible. Yeah. First of um, all, I don't like that we we consider that to be badass. Like we can we say that like. Characters are badass as soon as they kill somebody or they they start shooting a gun or something. And it always has to do with something some has something to do with either violence or speed, maybe. Like if they're yeah. they, they drive fast or they can ride a horse, we well, say they're badass. Well, what I don't what know. makes badass to you then? Like what what would make somebody prop- badass? Brewing a proper cup of tea, probably. Right? <laughs> <laughs> It takes um, patience. Just, 
Um, it takes technique. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I would consider badass. Um, well, I, I think I think a lot of this. I mean, we could have a deep discussion that a lot of this is rooted in kind of our our cliche view of masculinity. Um, mm. But I don't I don't want to go into that whole whole rabbit hole. But I see where you're saying. I mean, I think to me, she was more of a badass in the throne room scene or mm. the throne scene. I know it's not the actual throne room in Polis because she was. Uh, you know, verbally sparring with Clark and Clark was giving as good as she was getting um, when it came to, oh, you're the girl that killed 300 of my men. And Clark's like, well, you're the girl that sent 300 of your men to kill me. So quid pro quo, bitch. But I think Lexa portrays badassery and how she moves through the world. Uh, And I think the acting has a lot to do with that. I mean, she can she can either fuck you or kill you with a look. Cause she's got, she's got them eyes, dude. But that's and, the funny thing, and, though, is that well, like at first yeah, when we met her, yeah, let's, she was let's like, get to that. Let's get to that because Joe and I have the same opinion about uh, about Lexa when we first met her. It was almost like, like almost to your point, Shaheen, where it was just sort of like cheesy, like she was trying to be like yeah. this like cool, reserved badass or whatever. Um, and and it did feel like it was kind of one of those moments where I was like is she a terrible actress? Like, is this <laughs> just like, it's, it was almost like watching Mulholland drive with uh, Naomi Watts and you oh watch this whole God. movie and you're like, she is awful. And then by the end of it, you're like, Oh my God, she's amazing. Um, thankfully it didn't take till the very end of Lex's story to, to get to the amazing part. Like, I think, you know, we kind of get to that pretty quickly yeah, uh, because you don't know how, how she is playing it so reserved. Um, until you see like sort of the mask of the commander fall away um, in a, you know, or start to fall away around Clark. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, Oh, you know, she's this very, she has much more duality than, than Clark does than, than most of the other characters that we see because she has to um, given her position. Uh, it seems like sky crew, you can be a leader, but also still have your humanity and not have it be weakness. Uh, in fact, like your humanity can be seen as, as, as strength in, in sort of one of the lessons that uh, Jaha tried to teach Kane, which was, you know, you have to know when to enforce the rules and when not to, you have to know when to, you know, be, be strong and, and flexible and when you need to like actually kind of really think about it, um, you know, from a different perspective. And so I think it wasn't until we got to see those two sides of Lexa that, you know, you were like, Oh, she's actually really good. Yeah. I mean, when, when I first saw her, not so much, not so much in the, um, in the scene in the, in the uh, subway, but, but with Clark and some subsequent scenes with, with Clark and the rest of sky crew, I was like, Oh man, uh, they kind of missed on this actress because she's so wooden and I don't, I just don't get what she's trying to do with her portrayal of this character. And the thing with season two was I feel like everybody had really ramped up their, their acting, their acting chops, um, except for, except for Bob Morley, of course. And, and because he was already at the top because he was already at the top. Fuck you, Jen. You hate, you hate Bob Morley and you hate Bellamy. I say, Bob has not really improved because he's always been super good. Like I would contend that the, the, the guy that you see in season three acting his fucking ass off is the same guy in season one in like day trip on next to the tree acting his fucking ass off. Bob has always been consistently good, but some of the other actors like Eliza had to kind of grow into the role a little bit. Raven is, I think 
Raven's given a little bit more emotional, um, a more of an emotional journey in season two. So we get to see more of her, her acting chops and her range. Yeah. But, her character needed to grow. Yeah. But like, so, so everyone's like, like, you know, hitting, hitting the, the accelerator, really coming into their own as, as, as actors. And then Alicia Debnam Carrie, I'm like, dude, like she's just not that good. And then a couple episodes go on and then you get to the Harambe episode where they're fighting the giant ape. <laughs> just feels so stupid oh, to say that. Um, and it's just like, yeah, okay. I, I get it now. I get it. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> She's really, really good. Um, well, I guess I just uh, binge watched the whole thing through. I didn't even realize there was like, I didn't um, feel there was any um, change in like, she was always supposed to be uh, this stoic leader, right? And she's actually, I mean, we say, we call use that word stoic about a lot of people, but she's actually a classical stoic um, because the stoic is a person who believes that if you achieve tranquility, if you just accept what's in store for you and get rid of all your attachments, the source of your misery and your suffering is your attachments. So mm-hmm. if, if you don't have them, then you're peaceful. Um, so Lexa's the zenest motherfucker in the room. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, but I thought, I think I always, yeah, I always liked her. I think I, other than the introduction that I was a little shaky about, I thought it was cool. She was cool. Let's <laughs> let's talk about Reapers. Reapers. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about Reapers. Cause I'm looking, sorry, I'm looking through the sheet and I was like, oh, well that, that's actually kind of fun. Yeah, I like the the making of a Reaper. We finally get to see where Reapers come from, and the process is interesting. I mean, I don't I don't think that it's actually possible, but um, they're using <laughs> the science is a little soft. They're the using shine, the classical. The science of the show is shaky at times. What? <laughs> um, but they're about? using uh, classical conditioning process to get them scared of those um those tone generators or whatever yeah the negative those those men in black uh mind erasers yeah oh god and then yeah that's what they are (laughs) that's exactly what they are i kind of expected them to like pull out their shades you know every time that they use them (laughs) have a talking pug (laughs) yeah i mean you'd want you'd extra watch the show if they had a talking pug Dude, so if like Dante just walked out with a talking pug under his arm in season two, you'd be like, fuck yeah, all in. I'm with this show 110%. <laughs> Get it? 110. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I didn't. Swing it a and, mess. And scene. <laughs> I. I don't, I like, uh, I don't really like the Reapers, to be honest with you. I thought, fi- so. I find the Reapers cheesy in the way that Shaheen finds some of these scenes cheesy. Like I understand that I understand that they serve a purpose in the plot and they they're necessary, but they're inconsistent in their behavior. And I'm not quite certain I understand what they're capable of doing. Like, so like when Lincoln is in the underground parking garage, which is a great scene, by the way, I love it. And then the creepy, the creepy little toy playing Carol, the bells, like, that oh, was that was creepy toys. That was great. 
but like that's a so, good use use of creepy music yeah uh, that yeah that was well done i didn't think that was cheesy at all um as opposed to I, the, no, what they did I, in season three in demons i thought that yeah. was that was kind of cheesy no i, I don't it's think, very I, like, these things are very subtle like you either get it right or it just comes off uh, yeah there's annoying. there's always like a razor's edge of you're either on the right side, the plausible side of things where, where you pull it off or you're on the side of, you kind of have to intellectually justify it to yourself. Um, but yeah, but so like in the, in that scene, Lincoln was just this mindless cannibal, just attacking anything that moved. Mm -hmm. And, And then we're supposed to believe that the Reapers actually go out and they capture grounders and bring them back to the mountain men to either be, um, processed for blood or turned into reapers so like what are their cognitive abilities are there like are reaper are there some reapers in certain stages of of evolution as as a reaper like i don't understand like why would you let lincoln out in the world he serves absolutely no purpose if you're a mountain man because he's just he's just feral and eating people like he like he's not doing his job like Taking the HR. <laughs> well, he was later. He was. We saw him. We see him later. Uh, try trying to try to tie up this guy and take him to the mountain where Octavia yeah. kind of beats it out of him. But um, but yeah, I I, I agree that the, like there was we weren't given enough explanation as to what it's like to be a reaper. Uh, kind of a similar issue that I had with the City of Light in season yeah. three. Except yeah. I guess I cared cared a lot more about the city of light than the reapers but um you just want to know what it's like to eat people shaheen <laughs> well but i like, feel like I the... mean, we know you remember everything for example that's that was a good piece of information like that was not mm-hmm. that wasn't clear i was i had the same question that bellamy had to lincoln i guess this is from later episodes um you know but we know that but what else do we know like we don't know much i kind of justify it in my head with you know, different stages of a drug. Like when you're super high, you just attack and you eat people. And then you, you, <laughs> if you're you, in Florida. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, then you kind of calm down. Florida man. Like, the, the, like it's wearing off and you're like, oh man, I gotta go get some more. Uh, and you know, you're like, oh man, I gotta go kidnap somebody. Um, so you sober up a little bit and you go kidnap someone. So that is the pawn shop visit that is selling yeah, Adam's TV. Yeah, the pawn yeah. shop is to bring back uh, someone that you find out in the woods. Yeah. I feel like they were just kind of like you go banging the at weeks. the Mount Weather like intake door, and you're like, just this one time. I'll bring two later. I'll bring two next time. They're like, no, can you, go can you bring just your... spot me, and they're like itching. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. no man, there's price is a price, yo. Go bring. <laughs> Go bring your guy. I don't do on credit. A live guy, and you get a shot. <laughs> so that's kind of how I thought about it. Oh yeah, they God. just they they could have fleshed it out a bit more. Like it was ah, eh, fleshed it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, was, wow. I know. I'm on a roll today. Um, they just kind of felt really like monster of the week ish. Even though yeah. it obviously wasn't per week, but it was like you weren't really supposed to understand anything beyond this is bad. Lincoln was turned into one. That's bad. Hopefully he won't stay one. That, yeah. That's that's kind of like the extent of their like character arc. I still found him a little cheesy. I mean, I I got I didn't like the character design. 
I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I was expecting like something a little bit more monstrous, but eh, they served a purpose. I think they showed how far the mountain men were willing to go to to get their blood bags. I mean, I like how they, the way that they introduced the Reapers to us and the way that it ended, what, what the image of what we had of a Reaper by the time this, the whole Reaper thing ended, um, was very different from what we had at the beginning, you know? So they, they all, this is what they do on this show, right? They, they introduce you to a new group of people and you always have a one-sided and inaccurate picture of who they are and then you end up you know you end up with more layers and more complexity um yeah. so i liked i liked that aspect of it but um so yeah so, i feel so, like there were some low-key inconsistencies there so yeah i mean they they i think through lincoln they did try to, to humanize the reapers a little bit so you're like at the end you're like oh well they're just trying to trade like people and their and their guitar and their record collection in for more drugs. I mean, they're not necessarily in control of of what they're doing. Hey guys, this is Jen here with a brief intermission. Um, we're going to be picking up the second half of the podcast in the middle of a a conversation that we were had that we're having, uh, where Shaheen wanted to cover something um, that we had spoken about in the first part of the podcast. So. There was no real good way to transition from the end of the first half of the recording into this half, so I decided to record this intermission to make it less awkward. And now it's feeling really awkward. So enjoy the second part of the podcast, guys, and thanks for listening. I was uh, I was going to talk about how they take two characters and they take them to so to very different places, and then when they reunite, it's so awesome because it's so strange and like in so many ways you know like clark and abby the information that they have is so different like that what abby knows that clark doesn't and vice versa um and like like she uh, clark even thinks abby is not even alive and you know it's it's just like all this information that they have like mountain men they don't they don't even know what that is and you know so it's just like all this difference of information and then the way they feel about things is now so different from the last time they met, Uh, you know, so it's kind of cool. And like Clark is still kind of pissed off about the whole Jake thing. And Abby doesn't even remember that. And, you know, it's just, (laughs) um, wait, I was married. (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty pretty cool and same thing with Bellamy and Clark is like when they hug it at the same time it makes perfect sense that these two people would would have hugged at this point but it's also so weird because of everything that happened to them they're they're um, not well I feel like you can see that like reluctance in Bellamy he's like right Bellamy is like uh are we so we're <laughs> not doing this I guess we're doing this <laughs> no touch here no you're in my personal space. <laughs> you're gonna muscle up my hair, <laughs> right? Yeah. But then, but then he had to hug so that you could see like the bicep guns flexing. Like that was oh totally the reason. Like nobody hugs There's, like that, Bellamy. Like, I'm sorry, there was so much forearm porn there. It's uh, so sinewy. S- side note: there is actually a forearm porn subreddit on Reddit. Um, 
Is it forearms going into orifices or? No, it's forearms like showing muscly? the muscly. Yes, it's not. It's not a bad thing. It's just one of those things that that people appreciate. No, just how dare your finish you to me. Just you know, oh. let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean. So, like, TLDR, Jen's into forearms, and she goes on the porn <laughs> subreddit for forearms. Like, let's just it don't fucking not, mince words. It is not. I thought we were past this, Jen. Okay, I thought, look, I, I have we never. Close. I have never gone on the forearm porn subreddit. I've only heard about it in mm. Lady Boners. Mm. Is this I the official recording, guys? Yes, we are story. recording. This is included in the podcast. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> okay. So I will, you know, I will include the bit you just said um, about the Abby. Uh, oh, Abby I want to redo and... that. Can I redo that? No, God damn it! We're moving on, moving on. We're well, moving I on. I wasn't officially talking about it. I was just answering Joe. She was saying, "What what were you gonna say?" And you said what you were gonna say. But I can do better. <laughs> I was no, holding back. I was... <laughs> Everyone's enjoying the how the sausage gets made part of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> now we we got to move on. We we do have to move on. Okay. Um, let's see what we want to talk about next. I want to talk about some of our favorite scenes because I don't. I think on our first go round um, with this podcast, we we didn't talk with this episode. Um, we didn't really get to talk about that, and I think there were some good scenes um, that we all we all enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed the whole the whole end of Spacewalker um, from the part where all of Sky Crew is looking down, um, and then Clark Clark decides that she's going to go talk to the commander, and then Raven's like, "Oh, here's an here's an itty bitty little knife. Go out there, kill the commander, and we'll get you out. <laughs> Things will go crazy for a minute or two, but we'll save you. <laughs> Never mind. Right? You're like, surrounded by the grass. Like that Raven- was the worst plan ever." Dude, was Raven Loki trying to kill Clark? Like, <laughs> I think because that think, was a suicide mission. Yeah, no, that was that was Raven being desperate to do anything to. She would have done anything to to save Finn at that point in time. Um, but I love I love the whole confrontation between Clark and Indra, where Clark just leans into that spear. I'm like, that's that's a moment of badassery, Shaheen. So yeah. mark that down. That's a I moment guess. of badassery. Can you I, guess? <sighs> My God! It always like, has to do with guy? violence. Like you have to walk into spears to be a badass. No, 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 no. This one, this one was not violence. This one was like, let me through. I'm going to see the commander whether you this want me one to is or not. Like she's I'm willing imposing to like, my will. Bleed. Yeah. Like she's willing to like ignore her own pain to like make a point. A point. Pun. Oh God! <laughs> I can't stop. I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize that one. Oh my god. You're just full of them tonight. So, yeah, and then I I actually think this is one of my favorite scenes from beginning to end of the whole the whole series because you know, Clark does her thing, talks to Alexa. Um they don't come to any sort of agreement. Clark's like, "Yeah, I'm going to go over and kill Finn now." Um and then <laughs> the, the part of it that I love the most is Raven crying out. That punctuates the whole scene, especially when the the camera is just either isolated on Clark or looking back um, up the hill towards Sky Crew, and you just hear Raven crying. It was just so emotional. 
even though I didn't care for Finn that much as a character. You felt bad was, for Raven and Clark. I felt like, so that's the bad emotion. for Raven. I felt so bad for Clark. It was just such a very poignant scene. And I, it's, it's, it's probably one of my favorite in the whole fucking show. It was just so well done. Um, so what about you guys as far as your favorite scenes? <laughs> I guess I should go because Joe's favorite scene was already discussed, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, it already was discussed, Finn's death, I would just like to mention oh, that you were gonna, once, ag- once again, they fucking ripped off Buffy. Though I guess it wouldn't be again so much as this is, you know, one of the times, and we will see more times, that these yeah. these creators who have never seen the show before, like... Well, Jason writing- said that he hasn't, right? I don't. We don't know if, like, none of the I other writers have come out and said we've never seen Buffy before. I don't, I don't know how you live in a world without seeing Buffy. But anyway, um, <laughs> Shaheen, some of your favorite scenes. I like the zombie Lincoln scene. <laughs> where where they like saved him or the or when they were yeah. in the parking garage? Both. I like both. Um, it was tense. Like when before they like shocked him into being alive again. Mm-hmm. Like that was a tense. Fu- like you didn't know where that scene was going. Right. Like I wouldn't have been surprised if they had like if Lincoln had died then and then shit gets really bad. Mm-hmm. Um and I like you know, all the scenes at the dropship for that reason. They're like they're so fucking tense because it's They're in these, a little tin room. It's like two sides that it's it's mm-hmm. like just putting them in the same room in that closed it's, space it's is so dangerous. And, <laughs> yeah. and then it's like there's also like death, life matters of life and death happening and it's like if this guy dies everyone dies it's just crazy it's awesome and they like w- the way like Nico comes in and nobody knows how to react and everyone's like they just automatically pick up a gun because they don't know what to do and, and then they're like no this guy is cool and then he stays <laughs> and then Finn comes over and he's like dude you killed my grandpa or whatever and so it's like <laughs> it's just Awesome. Those the all those scenes are so freaking <laughs> tense, man. You kill Papa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not cool with this guy. I, you didn't say he was here. It's like, dude, you gotta be okay. You gotta be cool, okay? Are your holiday Chill. family dinners super awkward, Shaheen? <laughs> like it seems like you are like you you live for these bottleneck. You like have no idea, kegs. Joe. You have no what? idea. <laughs> you have not Pretty been awesome. in that part of the planet. What, the Middle East? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. It's Don't like plan the I Middle don't. East. This, is it super, <laughs> is it super this, tense? The dropship are, are like, why did you invite this guy over? And, um, you know, I'm going to leave now or I'm going to start yelling at you. And I don't see how that's different from any other family situation. Maybe not. Where were um, we? So, uh, seems like so, the dropship are tense. Yeah. So um, let's let's move on because we are uh, we are running out of time if we want to keep this to an hour and a half. So, Joe, you had mentioned we had uh, in our original Lost episode we had a conversation <laughs> about um, about responsibility, and I think moral responsibility, responsibility for actions. And we went deep into that kind of like philosophical discussion. So did you want to revisit that? Um, yeah, sure. So like in, 
again, like the Finn, the Finn death scene, like the whole thing was actually probably one of my favorites of the whole series as well. And yeah. one part that I, that I absolutely loved was, uh, Clark asking for mercy, uh, for Finn, uh, and saying, you know, show them you're not a savage. And this was after she had like appealed, you know, 10 other ways to, to Lexa yeah. and Lexa was just not having it. And Lexa said, we are what we are. Um, and it was kind of, it was kind of an amazing, like just slap in the face to Clark, uh, verbally. Um, but I thought that it was also, uh, it sort of calls back to this idea that they were exploring previously in other episodes and then continue to explore. And I feel like it is probably one of the biggest themes of this show, which is are our actions, are they, is everything that we do exactly who we are? Or like Bellamy said, uh, who we are and who we need to be to survive are very different things, especially when you consider the, the use of the word survive um, versus Lexa later on saying that, you know, what you, you think, you think our ways are harsh, but it's how we survive. Um, I just, I, I love that giant theme that the show sort of just weaves in and out of like almost every episode, I would say like almost mm -hmm. every episode, somebody has to do something that makes them question who they are at their core. And it's the idea of, is this you or is this situational? So what side of the argument do you fall on then, Joe? Me? Um, I don't know if we ever, if we ever got that answer in our previous, our lost, yeah. our lost episode. <laughs> I, so I don't I'm, know. I'm um, holding your feet what, to the fire. Yeah. I, I wish I could. What was, what was your John Locke quote, Shaheen? Oh, the the idea that if you don't remember having done something, that you're not responsible for it. Yeah, Is that what you're I saying? Mean, yeah, yeah like, I, call, I'm, I'm, I call bullshit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that. We, oh, that was a rabbit hole that we dove down deep. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think in some, I, again, like as as much of a cop as as it is, I think situationally, um, we are capable of doing things that in any other situation we would say that. That's not something that, that we would be able to do, mm -hmm. but I guess if you can do it, then somewhere deep, deep, deep down, we are who we are like that, yeah. that is who you are. So I guess it, I guess, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30, I like side with Lexa on this, but I think to Bellamy's point of who we are and who we need to be to survive are very different things. I think what that sort of means is you can't beat yourself up over it. If you have to do something shitty, if you absolutely have to yeah. do it awfully, tell yourself it's not you because that's the only way you're going to be able to live with yourself. Yeah. And I think, I think you see certain characters, you know, I think you see certain characters kind of taking up other side and then either taking it and running with it or, or finding that they, they move to the other side of, of that argument. I, I, fall more on the Lexa side of things. I think, you know, I, I don't like the idea that you can just kind of partition parts of yourself and, and, you know, say, Oh, well, that wasn't me. That was, that was, that was an extreme example of me. I did what I had to do to survive, but I, I think it assuages guilt. I think if you're capable of it, it's part of who you are. Now, is it part of who you are on an everyday basis? Eh, no, probably not. Are you, uh, if you're Clark, are you pulling levers every day to kill 300 people in Mount Weather? Eh, probably not. But she also is not presented with that option every single day. So we don't know. We can't answer that. She does. She, she pulls she a lot has, of levers. She has. You give her lever, lever. I bet she gets itchy. Like if you put a lever in front of her, like she'll just fidget until like when you're not looking. <laughs> 
Are you going to touch that lever? Because that I'd, I'd like that lever. Are you going <laughs> to touch it? Can I have that le- lever? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I agree with you, and I think I think we see Clark's journey after everything that she's done in season two. She she does I think believe in Lex's philosophy because she can't live with herself, um, but she doesn't try to lock what she's done in a in a different part of herself and then just try to, you know, go on as, as normal. I think Bellamy to some extent wavers between the two. And I think he uses, I think he uses, you know, who we are, what we do to survive and who we are, two different things. I think he uses that sometimes to justify some of his actions. And I think by the end of season three, he comes over to the other side and he, he understands that he's capable of some truly horrible things. You know, I, I I just, I don't like I, I view it as a cop-out, right? And I think it's a very natural cop-out. We don't want to admit to ourselves or to anyone else that we are capable of doing horrible things, but we are. So, for example, if you're a little shit dick on social media because you've got Twitter muscles and anonymity hiding behind a computer screen, you're probably a shit dick in life, but you just don't admit it to yourself. Um, if you can treat people horribly because you are a faceless entity on social media – you're you're a piece of shit, okay? So so take that, uh, put that in your burrito and eat it, you little fuckers. I'm not angry or anything, um, but you know, like. But what do you mean by it? Sounds like you 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 think that there is this essence that you have that you, you carry mean, around with you, and that no. in that in that essence you have this uh, other acts that you have done. Because I mean, mm-hmm. it it if you're in a situation like. It, it's a known fact that people uh-huh. are meaner to each other behind, uh, like on the internet, yeah. um, than they are face to face. So now you can say that. Well, how much of that is the situation? I mean, it, when when they're well, that when, you, when, you when they're talking point. to each other face to face, you bring up a very good point, Shaheen. Right, and when they're talking to each other face to face and they're nice to each other, you're are. Do we like? I don't know why it matters if we think that. Uh, no, this is still the same person who contains the asshole side. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just not coming out right now. As opposed to well, it, well, it's that not was coming... the person in that situation, and that's how they behaved. And now they're yeah. in this situation, and this is how they behave in this situation. Um, well, I, I I have a counterpoint to that though, Shaheen. Is that it, you are. There's less restraint when you're sitting by yourself in front of a computer screen than when you have to actually look somebody else in the eyes and face immediate consequences mm-hmm. um, for what you say or do. And there's right. there's uh, there's an inherent um, bravery to standing up to people face to face, and there's also an inherent cowardice of sitting behind a computer screen. We're all guilty of it. I'm not saying like I'm fucking uh, the best person on the face of the earth because I've never taken a a swing at somebody online. Um, I've taken many a swing at people online, especially when I was younger. And now as I grow up uh, and and grow into a middle-aged creepy old woman obsessed with a teen show on the CW. Embrace it. Embrace the hate. (laughs) This this is my supervillain origin story, by the way. Um, Now that I grew up, and I'm like, you know what? If you can say that to me on Twitter, drive over to my house and say it to my face. Guarantee you, I do not have I do not have a gun, so I will not shoot you. Even though in Texas it is legal to shoot and kill your <laughs> ass if you if you step on my property. But you know, I, I'm just like, 
there's there are other mitigating circumstances, and you're you're totally correct, Shaheen, that circumstances change. But if you're capable of doing something when you are alone, then that is that is the, like the lowest of who you are, right? Or if you're, you know. It's still part of you. It, it it doesn't represent the best part of you. It's not the face that you want to show to the world. Perhaps we all have, we all have some ugly bits of ourselves that we never want other people to see because we don't want to be judged for them. But you also have to embrace it. In my opinion, that this is who you are, and if you synthesize it, understand it, and, and reckon with it, then you can become a better human being. So or, are you offering to give like therapy now to like grounders and sky crew? Like, is that what you're, you're going to like sit them down with a pet talk and be like, <laughs> no, or, or to your point, um, or to your point, uh, a couple episodes back, you can embrace the villain in you. Like, um, uh, hootie, hootie, Murphy? what's it? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, homeboy from outlander, uh, blackjack Randall. Mm. He, he is a great villain because he's, he, recognizes that he's a villain and he lives in his villainy. He doesn't try to put a face on and he's not like, well, I want to take over the world. He's not like one of these horrible comic book villains that has really bad um, motivations, you know, so you can live in your villainy if you want to. And there are certain people that are like, "Ah, I give zero fucks. I'm just going to be an asshole. There's, there's plenty of folks out there like that, but I think there's, a majority of folks who are like, I want to be as good a person as I can be. And sometimes I fail. We all do. But I think you have, you are the totality of who you are. I'm on Lex's side on the philosophy of this. I think you can partition the bad parts of yourself within your being, but those are screen doors, right? Those aren't metal doors that you're shutting off the bad parts. Those are screen doors in any moment in time. That shit can bust on through like a, like a hurricane in Florida. Another aspect of this that we talked about in the last episode um, is, I mean, it, I think you mentioned uh, the, this example of you do something when you're drunk, right? Mm, and, yeah. And you, you, in your philosophy, Jen, you want to say that when you do something like you get drunk and you get into a bar fight um, or whatever, that um, that's part of who you are, right? Yes, yes. Because and, alcohol right. is a suppress alcohol suppresses, so it, it it takes away your inhibitions. So if you are okay. an, an asshole, the the thing that stops you from being an asshole twenty four seven is eaten away by that alcohol. So okay. if you've ever been around an angry or a violent drunk. I would caution you. Yeah, I would caution that that person has a proclivity to being an asshole, to being angry and violent, um, regardless. And okay. one day without alcohol, that shit could break through. Here's Where, my I, question. I, I am, of course, am a, and and am I'm a happy drunk, and I'd be happy if I could drink <laughs> alcohol again someday in the future. <laughs> Wait, so what's your next question, Cheyenne? And also, where do you fall yeah. on this? Like, where do you fall on the Lexa Finn scale? Mm-hmm. Bellamy scale? Oh, yeah, the Lexa Bellamy scale of morality. You need to write a paper on this, dude. This is this is your doctorate <laughs> right here. Um, my question was going to be, isn't there a line, though, somewhere, even though it may not be a sharp line, but there has to be a line somewhere where you can say that this person was in such an altered state of mind that they're not responsible for anything they did in the, under those um, 
circumstances, right? And people do plead insanity or momentary mm-hmm. breakdown or whatever they call it in the court, right? And they do get, yeah. sometimes they get off or they get lowered punishment, uh, reduced so, punishment. Do so you think story- that that's something that that's a fair practice? Or do you think it doesn't matter even if you were on, uh, if you can do something um, under the influence of alcohol, that's still you. And if you can do something uh, on PCP, that's still you. Yeah. And if you have well, like, Ali has access to your full synaptic network. That's yeah. still you, right? I think or that's is, a, is there I a think line that's a completely somewhere? Unique case. You know? I think historically it's been very difficult to plead insanity successfully, you know, because the standards of the courts is just really high in those cases. There are people who are who are really mentally disturbed um, and do not know do not know the difference between right and wrong. I think it, each each situation is very unique, like. Like you could argue that somebody who gets blackout drunk and rapes another person, you could make the argument then, if I'm following your line, that they're not responsible for that. And I don't think that is an acceptable thing in our society to say, oh, well, you're off the hook because you were in such an altered state that you were no longer culpable for your actions. Well, Um, and it opens up the door to that self-reporting. That's that's saying – I didn't or I couldn't remember anything, which mm-hmm. I have to trust you that that's yeah. the truth. And that's that's obviously not fair to well, your sure. hypothetical but victim. Let's put that aside. Let's, we're not talking about like actually discovering if this is true or not. But suppose that someone was, um, you know, I'm just asking you, is there a line? So, so you're saying there is no line. So No, I think, okay, it, so Shaheen, I think there is a line. If we use Ali as an example, so Ali that's takes- the line. Well, I mean, to keep it within the show universe. What if you have schizophrenia and you have you were having yeah. an episode? So that that's like, another thing. Is, there is, has is to like, be there ha- surely there has to be something. This is when they they say when the philosopher says surely, that means they have no <laughs> argument. Um, <laughs> Don't call me Shirley. Um, <laughs> um, no, so, I think you have. But I surely have there has to be point. some line. I mean. Not some sci-fi situation, but a situation that we could imagine in our world where you would agree to say that this person was out of their mind and they're not responsible for what they did. So I think that that's a very, very thin, thin space to occupy, because if we're to be if we're to take it, if we're take it to take it back to the show, for example, with Finn you know, were to believe that he was under duress, that, um, you know, he was, he was out of his mind with like losing Clark and trying to find her and all that. Yes. But at the same time, he even had Murphy being like, dude, this is not a fucking good idea. Like, yes, he was, he felt like he had no other choice and he got swept up in sort of these big emotions and, you know, the situation spiraled out of control, but that to me, that's 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 different from what Shaheen is saying. Like his example with schizophrenia, um, there right, was totally different to me. Yeah, to me, there was no obvious mental break there. Uh, like a, a Does severe it have to mental be obvious break. To you? That's the whole um, question. Is um, this is what B. F. Skinner says? The American psychologist says that um, there is actually, you're never responsible for anything that you do because everything, there is no such thing as responsibility because everything that you do is simply the product of 
processes in your brain. So that, it's all chemical and we're, that, we can't, we can't right, happen according to the laws of nature. What we call responsibility is simply when you don't see the, the direct cause of a person's behavior, it's not con uh, conspicuous to you. It's not obvious to you. That's when you assign responsibility. So if, mm -hmm. if I do something while a, I, somebody is holding a gun to my head, then you don't, you tend to not hold me responsible because you think, because you see the cause of my behavior. Now, if mm -hmm. it's not a gun, if it's just some, like my mentor or whatever, standing, you know, looking over my shoulder and um, breathing down my neck, then you would also, you would say, well, you, you know, you maybe have less responsibility because someone is observing you. Now, when there's nobody there, but you're still, your brain makes you do things. Um, we don't see the cause of uh, the behavior because the person's already been psychologically prepared to do that action without anyone observing them then we, we tend to hold them responsible. You know, we have this idea of responsibility that we assign to them. So mm -hmm. now you're saying that like you, because you were saying schizophrenia is something that's obvious. Whereas if you have uh, some kind of post-traumatic breakdown, that's not because you can't see the cause of it. I don't, I'm yeah. not even sure. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure how you can see schizophrenia either. Um, well, but I, I think, so I guess I guess the the person who is reporting on on their experience we would have to trust them. So if somebody who's schizophrenic is having an episode or hearing voices and they report that that's what ha what's happening, we would we would if 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 all things are equal and that is is their experience and it's a true statement then then that's what's happening. Somebody who is having a maybe a PTSD type of break, they might not be aware that they're having an episode. So it, it, it's so circumstantial and it's so nuanced as far as what somebody's experiment or experiencing in the moment that I think it's so hard to draw specific lines. I think you can draw dotted lines or maybe wavy lines or something, but I, 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 I still think that a lot of these examples that we're coming up with are outliers. Obviously, the, the Finn example of he's like having a PTSD break, that's not an outlier. That, that happened in the show and that happens... Uh, in real life, uh, unfortunately, far too much. But like schizophrenia, we haven't seen, you know, I think there are indicators that would show outside people that this person is having an issue. With Finn, he went momentarily, crazy is the wrong term to use, but he 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 momentarily had a breakdown in his moral center or whatever that, that allowed him to kill people. Maybe he panicked. Maybe he thought these people were going to scatter and become a threat. Um, so I, I just, I think it's, this is a really, uh, complex discussion because there are no, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules. And that's, you know, that's why folks like you, Shaheen, you study philosophy because there's still, there's still not answers to a lot that's of these questions. That's how we questions. make money, man. Yeah, because when Wait, I think of philosophy we, majors, <laughs> we we get you, we get you confused about these things, and then we talk and about then you them. Seal your we make them pay us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To How talk about do them. you make? Because when I think of philosophy majors, I just think rolling in the cash. Yeah. Yeah. All the money at, at Starbucks <laughs> when you get your tips. <laughs> Matt stacks of cheddar. And I. 
And I say this as a literature major way back in the day. So, um, yeah, I think this is a really interesting discussion. I think what we'll probably come back to it. We'll, we'll come back to so it throughout I, in other episodes as it as it comes up. Yeah, that's other, the thing that I other like about podcast it. Podcast episodes, um, and sometime in the future, we we for listeners, we do plan on doing a, a theme episode where we kind of do some deep diving into some of this stuff because there's a lot of there's a lot of complex things to talk about in the show. But we need to start. I think we need to start wrapping up because we're we're getting we're getting a little bit long. I guess Do you guys want to do some well actuallys. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead, Shaheen. Um, I had one, which is, I really, this is one of the scenes that I really don't like because this is the scene where Dr. Singh, who, by the way, should be, her name is spelled, it looks, it looks like a Chinese name. It should be Singh as in S-I-N-G-H. She's Indian. I don't know. Um, Whatever. She kind of she messes up uh, when she's talking to Monty, and um, she says Maya was heavily sedated, so Jasper is going to feel that too. It's very normal. It's perfectly normal. And then Monty is like, "If you've never done this before, how do you know?" And it's like, duh, fact of chemistry, like. Sedatives were dissolved in Maya's blood, and that blood is now in Jasper's body. I mean, how they don't have to have done this before. This is a stupid question. But and they she, did. She should but have been like, "What kind of question is that? Like, have you ever <laughs> like, do you know Monty? anything about yeah, anything?" Backhand him. I'm a doctor, bitch. <laughs> like, yeah, um, but she's like, she gets all nervous, and she's like. You're right. I should have said it's to be expected. And I'm like, man, She's like that's the best the writers could do. Like, I can imagine <laughs> the writers' room, and they're like, so guys, we need some science thing for this. We want her to, <laughs> we want her to mess up, and but not you too know, much. Not too much though. And they're like, what about like maybe Jasper feels sedated? And they're like, yeah, that's good enough. Just put it in there. Just don't think about it for two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's a good one. My well actually is um, when Clark gets back um, to Camp Jaha after her her uh, her fight, her knock knock down drag out fight with uh, with Anya. She she looks like she's been fed face first into a wood chipper, yet she never develops any facial scars, even though she has obvious um, uh, obvious stitches in a couple places. I'm like. I get it because she's the pretty blonde lead of the show, but still, could we have like one one token scar? That would be kind of cool. Or maybe just like an eye patch. Like maybe she loses an eye in season four and we've got like an eye patch in season five. Like high stakes TV. This show is actually praised for how long the the scars and the wounds and stuff last. Except that, dude. These Except these then. guys are like never clean, never without some sort of blood somewhere. I mean, rampant I, I gotta, infection. Yeah, I mean, I give these actors credit for being so dirty all the time, but yeah, they take it to new levels, especially in season three. And then uh, Joe, your well actually is. Uh, so Kane planting the little bonsai tree. Um, that tree would die, like, in a fucking instant. Like, you can't just be like, hey, like, I am a terrible, like, I I have two tiny basil plants that I have not managed to kill. Every other plant I have touched, and this is only within the last, like, three weeks, every other plant I have touched is dead, uh, died, withering, whatever. Um, so 
if I know that that plant is going to die, that plant is going to die of root <laughs> shock, um, you know, it's bad news, Kane. And, but, but then again, then again, maybe it was a metaphor for Sky Crew trying to, to put roots on earth. You know, you can't just jump on in there and expect everything to be cool. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta ease into it. And yeah. Speaking and speaking think- of that, he planted it some, in some random place on the way to <laughs> Polis or whatever. And it's like, you couldn't find a picturesque hilltop? Damn, like, Kane. Like, couldn't, feel, couldn't find a better place? That's like the memory of your mom. <laughs> he just planted it, you know, in some random places. Not just even going to be able to find it ever again. <laughs> yeah. It, it actually, by the, when they cut away, the two-headed deer ate it. And then that was that. Was that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, on our next episode, episode seven... We're going to be covering episodes 9 through 12 of, of season 2. So, guys, get your rewatches in on that one. Um, let's talk about some TV shows to recommend. Shaheen, are you watching anything? And the answer will be no. Uh, yes, no. <laughs> Nothing to recommend. Oh, Shaheen, you got to start watching something. I don't care if it's like heart to I got to start watching <laughs> Tomb Raider level editors, man. Oh, gotta- my God. Yeah. yeah n- now nerd the, alert! Now, oh, nerd alert! I don't have room to. I don't have room to talk. I'm watching. <laughs> no, I'm watching you people play Hearthstone. Still the best game ever. Oh, just, okay. just putting it out. How old is the game? Uh, first one came out in '96, I think. Oh my gosh! Uh, somewhere around there, '98. Yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised how 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 good video games are now. No, nope. if you ever. Nope. I disagree. <laughs> Shaheen loves those polygon boobs. Like, <laughs> those sharp-ass polygon Laura Croft boobs. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So, Joe, what are you watching on the TVs? Uh, just we we kind of took a break from uh, from Outlander just because, like, the first season oh. was like, yay, you know, it's pretty and people are pretty and having fun and doing it because it's Cinemax and then all of a sudden it got really dark so we're taking a little break and we're still making our way through Parks and Rec Um, we'll get back to Outlander and we also still want to obviously watch Stranger Things because everyone is like losing their minds over it yeah so uh, that's one of my recommendations Stranger Things on Netflix is the new hotness it uh, one of the leads uh, whose name is Finn Wolfhard I mean (laughs) what a great name uh, he's actually a, a, a little kid. He's the he's the kid that plays Zoran in the Hundred. So mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. the uh, disfigured kid out in the in the desert. So Jaha's best friend. Yeah. So if if you if you are a child of the eighties and love Spielberg and Stephen King and John Carpenter and and stuff like that, and you like great casts, uh, Stranger Things is the new hotness. Definitely recommend it. Um, also, uh, still watching. Killjoys on Sci-Fi. Um, there's a couple new shows coming up on Sci-Fi in the fall that I'm really looking forward to. Of course, I can't remember what any of them. Oh, there's Van, one Van Helsing with a female lead, and then there's one called I think it's like Incorporated or the Corporation or something like that. Um, it's got like Julia Armand in it, and it's like uh, produced Ooh. by Ben Affleck and uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, Wait, so really? excited. Yeah. Yeah, they're Oh my god, companies. that was just that was just me joking and doing the uh, Team America Matt Damon voice, but nope, okay. nope, 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 nope. They are they actual are, thing. They, I, they, it's I, I believe it's their production company. I don't think they're like actively involved in the show, but uh, it, there's some some cool stuff. And I, I appreciate the folks who are like 
watching 12 Monkeys uh, who listen to the show and they listen to the podcast and they're watching like 12 Monkeys and they're getting into Killjoys and they're like, am I right about good TV guys or am I right? I'm not going to steer you guys wrong. I'm not going to be like, y'all really need to be watching The Real Housewives in New York because Bethany Frankel is just off the chain. I mean, granted, she is off the chain, but I will steer you guys to the good stuff. that's your private shame? That is, that that is, is your my private shame. That is like... That is like the the bad part of me that loves trash TV, um, but it is a but, part of you. It's a it you is can't, I, you can't yes. say it's situational. You can't say <laughs> oh well it was on so I really you know that's that's what happened. No, it's it's oh, you. We are what we God. are. Jen. We are what we are, and I watch trash TV like it is going out of fucking style. I love and it, and yet but it never does. It just gets more. It never does and more. Oh God! So I so again, guys. As as we watch new good things on TV, we'll try to try to tip you off about it, so you too can enjoy good things on TV. Or give us recommendations. Tweet at us. Maybe we haven't seen something. I doubt it because I watch everything. I, the next thing I'm going to get into is the like season three and four of uh, shit. What's that Australian prison show? With I don't know. Sounds sexy though. Wow, <laughs> with the women it just sounded even sexier. I was talking oh, before God. you even said the words the women's. So though, yeah, there's there's some there's some gay shit happening there. So again, the gay privilege all over the place, everywhere, just ruining, ruining just society. Got, I mean, it uh, puts white male privilege to shame. No, uh, it certainly does. Um, so let's wrap this up, guys. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. Reminder follow, reminder to follow us on the Twitters at May We Geek Again, also on the Facebook. Guys, had a great time talking about these episodes with you. May we geek again. Take it easy, guys.